0: I have brought out the big gun today. Yeah. No iPad. We got the full size laptop on the desk because I feel like I might end up needing it for research and such. Unlock. Did your Kindle die? Oh no! It's just being dumb. It just really wants you to look at that ad. It really wants me to look at that ad. What's okay, the ad for now?
1: I don't know. Some really dumb thing. Probably. You don't even know what it was for. No, because ads don't work on me. Advertising has no effect on me, Jen.
0: <laughs> I just really want a Coke right now.
1: I'm so thirsty. It's pretty easy to get trained to not really look at the ads. Yeah, I could see that. I don't know. It was some dumb looking book probably.
0: I was going to say like, dear Jeff Bezos, your ads aren't working. But from being in business for so long, it's it's like if if an ad doesn't work on one person, it's kind of irrelevant.
1: I'm sure it works on
0: somebody or they wouldn't pay for ads. Exactly. Yeah. It's It's always like the percentage. Like what's the conversion rate? And, um, like the funny thing is like, if, if you get 1%, that's often good. Yeah. It doesn't work on 99% of the people you just, and you're like, oh, I'm happy with that. You no, know, You just kind of throw everything at the wall and hope something happens. It's kind of what you do and hopefully like test uh, and and maybe what and pray from what you've thrown pay and pray. Yeah. <laughs> that's Facebook advertising in a nutshell for me. Yeah. I think some people get really into the details and the analytics and demographics and they try to do split tests and everything. Every time I've done Facebook advertising, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what interests I should, I should go with. So anyway, um, this is, this is your episode, dude. Something like that. This is your episode. Uh, so what I wanted to do based on many questions we've received in the past is I wanted to do an episode that kind of goes over some of the alternatives to college I mean, we have College Info Geek right in the name of the podcast, but as anybody who's been listening carefully for the past probably three years will know, we're not a college specific podcast or YouTube channel or anything for that matter. It's just a name that's been around since I was in
1: college. I mean, a lot of the topics are like geared toward somebody in that sort of situation. It's just that it applies to a lot more than that.
0: I mean, I think everything we do is is also pretty applicable to high school students. Um, a lot of it's applicable to well, I mean, that, adults. that's because
1: learning lessons are pretty applicable. But oh yeah, that's true.
0: Well, I mean, that, that's what I mean though, because a lot of people aren't in college anymore. But like the we gen, did,
1: the generic audience member good to that grade. I think of is a college student, and oh, then yeah. stuff that helps the college student probably just helps other people.
0: Actually, I think it's of not it like now. we're talking
1: about admissions most of the time. Those are very particular episodes. Most of the time, yeah. it overlaps.
0: Nowadays, I think of, like, if you were to take the bell curve of the audience, what do they call that? The standard deviation or something? I can't remember they the call term. Deviant art? I don't know. Not deviant art. No, it's just like it's the the eighty percent that exists on either side of the middle of the bell curve. I yeah, think I know of what that. You're talking about, I just don't remember that. I think it's standard deviation. I almost want to Google it now, just to, just to know. But I think of that as um, that eight year period from when high school starts to when college a four-year college anyway typically ends at this point yeah i think that's what it is
1: it's like a certain it's within a certain number of standard deviations yeah dark 80 dark blue is one
0: standard deviation either side of the mean so um does
1: that cover 80 percent, or were you referring to two well i deviations? i looked at
0: wikipedia So here we go. Plot of normal distribution or bell-shaped curve where each band has a width of one standard deviation. And it says here that the standard deviation is 34.1% on either side, which would end up being 68.2%. But I don't know if that means that's always the case because I've forgotten math. It looks like there's also something called the 68-95-99.7 rule.
1: None of it is always the case.
0: Okay, so I think it is that, yes. One standard deviation is about 68%. On a normal distribution, um, assuming that your things are applicable
1: within that situation. Like it's never exactly the case. It can't be.
0: But if you have a normal distribution, like the most basic concept in statistics, you have the normalish bell curve, then it would be about 68.27% is that one middle standard deviation, which is pretty cool. Um, That is bringing back some memories from statistics class. Anyway, I think of that group as like high school and college at this point because so many people who comment on the YouTube channel are not in college.
1: So, Well, there you go. I don't read
0: comments, so. Yeah. Uh, But what I wanted to do is talk about the options that are not just college. And what gave me the idea for this episode is – I think, I think last week was when the episode came out over on Listen Money Matters. Um, Andrew and I interviewed Adam Braun, who is the, originally the founder of Pencils of Promise, which is basically a charity, or, charity organization that goes and they build schools in developing countries. And he has a new project called, um, is it Mission U? I think it's Mission U. That sounds right, I'm but per- I don't know. I'm pretty sure. I have to keep Googling things. Yeah, it's Mission U. And it is kind of like a new approach to higher education, where right now they, it's like a small pilot program. They're just getting off the ground. They're only doing data science as their first kind of pilot program. But you apply, you don't have to be right at a high school to apply. You can be in your 20s or even 30s. And if you get accepted based on the application, the merits of your application, you become part of the program for no money down at first. So there's no need for student loans or anything. You go through the program, it's a one-year program, And once you graduate, um, I believe they get 15% of your income for like three years once you're Mm -hmm. making above, I believe it's $50,000 a year. So it's kind of an interesting model where they essentially invest in people, don't create any debt, and then you just contribute a portion of your income back to the school once you're actually making enough. Yeah, they're they're directly
1: investing in you.
0: Yeah. And I thought that was a really cool model because, I mean, the average student these days, at least here in the U.S., has $37,000 when they graduate Those the student loans. I think that's the average number now. Hmm. Um, you know, I think Andrew and I did the math on the average starting salaries in data science in like the Bay Area or something. And based on that, like three years contributing 15% of your salary, you would you would give back that or more. But crucially, it is... A setup that will never crush you. Yeah, and it reminded me of the way that the UK at least used to do things. I think still does things to some degree where they they did have student loans, but they would cap the um, the tuition that a university could charge to. I believe it was like nine thousand pounds a year, and then when you started to pay back your student loans, you would only pay back once you were making. I believe it was twenty thousand pounds a year. And there was like a percentage cap that they could take. Hmm. So like it would just take a while if you weren't making very much. And then if you were making a lot, I think it was set up where you might end up contributing back a little more. But so what? You know, you're making tons of money. So I thought this was cool because a lot of people they go into college, they don't know what they want to do. They take out a ton of loans and then they're stuck with a ton of debt when they graduate. Yeah. And that's not necessarily the only way to go about moving on from high school. But Mission U is a pretty new thing and they have one program.
1: And there there are no like asterisks in there as to who who can apply. It's not like if you fit within this something, 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 there are sneaky other things we didn't know about. Well, when or you gotta put money down and we'll refund it when you're done or something.
0: I think the only money down is like a fifty dollar application fee. And I'm going off memory here. So uh mission com is where you can go to verify anything I say if you're curious about this particular thing. When we talked to Adam, I think that he said that um, their ideal candidate is somebody between the age of like 18 to 30, but they, I think they had somebody in their first group who was actually 42 years old. Hmm. So I'm pretty sure there is not, uh, oh, here it is. Yeah. Basically you have to be located within 50 miles of your program's city during the year, but you can uh, move there if you need to, and then be authorized to work in the United States. And the reason you have to be authorized to work in the United States and one of the things I love about Mission U is they, as part of the program, part of the requirements, they hook you up with a company that's partnered with them and you basically like do an intense internship. And the thing I love, and when he said this in the interview, I was like, I was in love with it. When you graduate, quote unquote, you do that six weeks before it ends. And after that, you spend six weeks going through essentially like training on how to get a job. So they teach you how to interview, how to make a resume, how to build an online presence, how to do all those things that a lot of colleges don't really teach you or don't do a good job at teaching you. So you're actually a competent job seeker once you get out of college or out of the program.
1: I have frequently wished that that would have been a semester course for most people, just like you take it last semester and you can get a... You can get out of it if you've already got an internship or a job. You Mm -hmm. don't have to take it, but it it would have been a good thing.
0: We had one, right? It was like the BizAd 301 or something like that. Yeah, but
1: I want one where the full purpose is you actually doing the preparation and actually getting Mm -hmm. these things and actually trying to get an internship.
0: Yeah. And the BizAd 301, at least I took it sophomore year, I want to say, which made it useful for finding internships, but- I think there's room for maybe like a refresher or a more um, real world type, of course, that well, students can take during And also a lot of the year. stuff
1: doesn't take into account things like if you have a personal website or how to how to do online things and formatting.
0: I'm going to be honest. Uh, when I was in college, the career advisors actually said, don't have a personal website and don't talk about yourself on there because employers don't care about your hobbies or whatever. And I thought that advice was so outmoded. That's not how I got so my outdated. job. Like you got your job because they looked at the website you built for them. And they were like, this guy has personality and passion and drive. And yeah, over here, the career advisor, just, they're just saying like, just submit a resume and a cover letter and just show them that you, you know, took these classes and did an internship. And I'm like, like I said, my resume video, Google gets a million resumes a year or more. How do you stand out with that? So I would like to see better career education in colleges. But beyond Mission U, um, you did the research for this episode. So what are some of the options that you found that well, are not college? Um, uh, see, I know
1: you want to talk about this, but it's not technically an alternative to college. It is an alternative to a four-year university, community mm-hmm. college. That's okay. one thing you can do. There are trade schools, vocational kind of things. Um, no,
0: I always hear about trade schools, but what exactly is a trade school? Like, did you learn about what the programs are like? It's I've like only heard a about one. It's thing so. you go
1: to for a year or two. It's, it's kind of similar to community college actually, but it's just more focused exactly on that, so on like, the trade. It's not like okay. there are – here are a bunch of nonsense electives that don't really have to do with what you're doing.
0: So you're taking like no – You're generalize. learning for a
1: job. You're not learning for an education like so in like when, the uh, liberal arts well-rounded sense.
0: So like in community when John Goodman is like part of the air conditioning school and tries to get um, – Oh, what's Donald? What's Donald Glover's character? Sorry, Troy? Troy. Yeah, tries like recruit Troy. Like that would be a trade school, right? Well, kind of. Uh, well, I mean,
1: they're literally in a community college. Oh, was it a program at have, the college? Yeah, it was a program okay. at the college. So, like those students probably have to take Gen Eds as well.
0: Gotcha. Did you were you able to find anything about like the cost of trade school specifically? Because I know community college is much much cheaper. Than yeah, I found university.
1: there was it was like the average uh the average cost for a trade school from somebody that i found here was like somewhere in the 30 33ish thousand range for the for, whole, like a, for the whole thing and that is that's like a one year one or like maybe two years one or two years or two either years, way okay. that's like a quarter of what the average university bachelor's degree costs really yeah Especially because most students, it's, I don't know if it's most students, but a large chunk of students do not graduate in four years. That's kind of a myth.
0: That's true. Isn't like 60% don't graduate in four years? Yeah. A
1: lot of people are doing like five five or six. It was, it was somewhere in that range.
0: Yeah. And when we were talking to Adam, um, he was saying like a lot of people just never graduate. They just have to drop out for financial reasons or other reasons.
1: And that's, yeah, it's completely discounting the dropout rate. And then you've got people that take between four and six years, not just four years. Because you come in here, you're 18, presumably, if you're like the default when you go to college age, mm-hmm. and it's hard to make big decisions about the financial stuff involved. A lot of people come in undecided. Yeah. And like the university is a very expensive place to find yourself.
0: It's just very true. If you
1: have literally no idea what you want to do and you're just going to university because you're supposed to, you could do the same thing at community college for much cheaper and then transfer later when you've got an idea. Yeah. Because otherwise maybe you wasted your first year. Now you change majors and now those classes weren't worth anything. You just have to yeah. go another year.
0: That's kind of where I've always sat when it comes to college. I'm not one of those like total unschoolers who thinks like the system is, you know, irrevocably broken and, and just can't. I like going to university. Like, like I found, I yeah, I found it. it useful, but it's, it is a business decision because of how much it costs. Like, I guess if you're rolling in money and you're Scrooge McDuck with the, the coin pool then sure, go discover yourself at university because you can take all kinds of well, cool it, philosophy Yeah, it's classes. a great
1: experience to go there at that. But mm-hmm. if you're willing to pay that cost – yeah. because I missed out on going to dorms as a freshman. I missed out on that whole social environment for a couple years because I went to community yeah. college first.
0: But, I mean, you ended up getting it anyway – like you missed, you missed, I missed specifically, dorm I missed
1: specifically being able to figure out who I was from, from scratch with like that immense amount of people around me all the right. time because I moved directly into an apartment.
0: Yeah, exactly. But, but like I, I saved a bunch of money you saved and I have about two degrees 15, now. Yeah. You saved about 15 grand by not living in a tiny plaster box and having a shared bathroom with yeah. like 60 other guys.
1: Like, so c- certainly it's an experience, <laughs> but you have to be willing to pay for that experience. And you shouldn't just assume you have to.
0: Yeah. Um, and so with trade schools, basically, you're, you're going to learn one skill that correlates to a career. So like, yeah, well, the one that car- I think of carpentry, as like
1: electrical stuff, you, automotive, uh, plumbing and <laughs> Plumbing pays well these. too, right? doesn't it? Oh, yeah, plenty of them. I think the average salary was only like somewhere between three and ten thousand less starting than a, somebody with a bachelor's
0: degree. Entry level plumber with less than like five not years that of experience, big a deal,
1: honestly, because they, you take that person, they're making three to ten thousand less than a bachelor's degree person, maybe starting out first year. Yeah, but they're maybe they're at least like two years earlier. So during those two years, they're yeah. making money while the other person is racking up more debt. And not making money. So they're like, you know, five to 10 years ahead on money. So that advantage isn't that big of a deal for a while.
0: That's actually important to think about because it says here the average entry level plumber with less than five years experience can uh, can expect to earn a total compensation of $35,000 a year. And if you're graduating two years before the four year people, that's seventy thousand yeah, dollars. You've now you're made ahead. seventy
1: thousand, but that person not only did they not make thirty five thousand a year, they were racking up more debt. They are negative each year that they're still going. That's true, yeah. So you're just so many years ahead of them that mm-hmm. that like ten thousand dollar difference from I know our majors average was like forty five or something, something like that. It was in that For area, but like okay, ten thousand difference. I take they, they're still like, years? what, seven years ahead of us yeah. when we graduate at that default. Mm-hmm. If that's the job they want, perfectly reasonable job. Yeah. And, and it doesn't mean that I would have switched because I you don't make every decision yeah. based on how financial it is necessarily. Yeah. But the fact is that is a good plan if that's what you want to do. And also those jobs can't really be outsourced that well. I can't have somebody in it's India do my plumbing. Plumber. You have yeah. to be physically here to do that kind of work.
0: Yeah, it says here the salary range, 29000 to $88,000. And so if you're you can not in a ton of debt, pretty well. oh,
1: you, can, you can move up. And, and I you're remember, not in so much debt.
0: Um, I have a friend in West Des Moines, his name's Adam Carroll, and uh, he worked to make a documentary movie. I think it's called Broke, Busted, and Disgusted. It's all about the student loan debt crisis. And they kickstarted this movie to get funding to film it and everything. They basically like did crowdfunding. And one of their top funders was... I'm going to get the name wrong, but it was basically like the Iowa Sheet Metal Workers Association. And he was like, why are you guys donating to this? And they said, well, we're looking for qualified people because you can go learn sheet metal working. You can apprentice and you could be making like 35 to 40 K in a year or two. And we just need people who aren't like a high school dropout that doesn't care. We need people who are just like hard workers who have a good work ethic and who are relatively smart. And yeah. a lot of them are going off to college because they have no idea what they're supposed to do with their lives. And everyone's telling them, you go to university, it's just the thing you do. Yeah, and, and we're th- saying like, there's a good career waiting for you here and we need you. And I think it's important that, you, that they mentioned
1: That we're not just looking for like we didn't care, we're just lazy because those jobs are not for people that were too lazy to go to university. That's not what that means. But universities have marketed very well that they are the solution. Everybody's talking mm -hmm. about you got to go to university. That's like the default assumption. It's just that doesn't make sense because the other options can be just as good for you if not better. Mm -hmm. depending on the field you want to go in.
0: Yeah, and the one thing I will stress here is that now more than ever, it's much easier to get that liberal or arch education to become a well-rounded person. And the other thing I'll challenge, um, we we brought this up in the uh, interview with Adam Braun, which I will link in the show notes because I think you guys should go listen to it. It's a good interview, is one of the major selling points of a four-year university and one of the things that the people who work there will use to defend it is We aren't just teaching you your job. We're giving you a well-rounded education. We're we're making you a citizen of the world who is cultured and knows things. And um, that's all well and good. But you and I know a lot of people who went to college with us. How well-rounded are they? Well, the problem is nobody
1: takes those electives seriously anyway. So you didn't get
0: that well-rounded when you were like, I'm going to – these get degrees. Exactly. And if I if I talk to you about philosophy or if I talk to you about science, I'm likely going to be drawing upon, you know, what I read in um, Bill Bryson's The Short History of Nearly Everything or what I read in um, The the Swerve, which is a book I read about um, philosophy yeah. books, books, like, books that I was actually interested enough like, to read and wasn't just taking for, uh, you know, an elective. Now, if somebody goes to college to major in philosophy, which we've got a friend who's doing that, they're probably going to become a pretty well-rounded person, but most of us go to college for the primary intention of getting career skills or, um, some, as some people have put it like to have that signaling value that will show people that we have what it takes to, you know, get a good career. And then the whole well-rounded stuff is just basically like an additional thing, an additional selling point. Yeah, and I'm I'm just not convinced of the value of that for a lot of people out there versus like just learning on your own by buying a book that costs fifteen dollars or um, what's that app that you can use to like download every library book for free? Um, it's like OpenShift, I think, or something like that. I don't know. There's because Ashley uses it, doesn't she? Wait, are you talking about OverDrive? OverDrive, it, yeah. They
1: like partner with libraries, and then you can check out eBooks.
0: Yeah, you can get eBooks. I'm pretty sure you can get audiobooks all yep. for free. Just download them from like any library, any, ever, or not ever, but a lot of libraries.
1: It's pretty cool, right? Yeah, it's pretty easy. I was trying to think about it. And honestly, like I took one web dev course in high school, but mm-hmm. pretty much all of my other web development skills were taught by myself. I took Spanish mm-hmm. in high school, but, and I took French in college, but my general knowledge of language learning and linguistics and like anything else all came from just, just cause I wanted to. You can become well-rounded simply by wanting to learn. What was your web development class like? Because I'm curious. We coded with JSP. How did they teach though? Oh, we built a MySpace clone in class. Okay. It was pretty cool actually.
0: Because I also took a web development class in college, or not in college, in in high school. And you know what the class was? The computer lab monitor who knew nothing about web development was the teacher- And then they gave us like a Wiley book on HTML and CSS that had nine or 10 chapters, each with a project. And they just said, go through the book. So I spent the whole semester just coding. I mean, bad is a relative word though, because it honestly was a decent way to learn those skills. It's just that I I did the same thing at home.
1: I had a really good programming teacher in high school. Okay, so that's Our particular school had an advantage in that one department. Yeah, so-
0: That's good. Yeah, I've heard that high schools have trouble finding programming teachers. Well, yeah, because programmers programmers. can make a a bunch of money (laughs) somewhere else. It's pretty, yeah, it's pretty hard. You have to have like the right kind of person who's like, I don't want to make that much money. I just want to teach programming. Yeah. You know, and then like a lot of those people go off and build Codecademy or something. Yeah. Yeah. So all I'm saying is the the whole argument about the well-rounded nature of the four-year education is – not necessarily bunk, but needs to be taken with a grain of salt because it's discounting your ability to do that on your own if you're sufficiently motivated. Yeah, I,
1: I don't think that by itself is probably not the tipping point mm-hmm. in your decision making. If
0: Yeah. Now, I will say when it comes to the whole signaling value um, about getting a job, a lot of companies honestly do look for a four-year degree and they don't care what it's in. Well, a lot of their their machines are looking their for machines a are looking degree. For it. Yeah. The machine doesn't
1: care if you can explain that you learned this on your own. Sometimes yeah. the machine just needs a degree. Mm-hmm. So
0: don't take this as a saying college is useless. Um, we just want to, you know, again, put a little bit of a grain of salt in some of those selling points because a lot of people make decisions without really thinking about the financial cost, or they will put too much weight on on those selling points.
1: Yeah, it's not that college – like I loved university and I would go back again. I would definitely not change that. But it's just that you shouldn't make this kind of a decision by default. There should be nothing that you assume you have to do. You should make the option considering its costs and benefits.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean we've got plenty plenty of friends that are stuck in student debt and they're not necessarily using their degree. You know? Yeah. So that's just a thing. All right, so we've got vocational schools. Um, I'm guessing there's ones for plumbing – I remember when I was in high school, um, this wasn't something that I was considering myself. That light is very finicky, but whatever. My parents told me about a school in town that was like an automotive tech training school. And it was a pretty cool setup because you would go and you would do an intensive class for six weeks and then you'd move on to the next one. And me being in high school and being really fed up with the whole like 40 minute period structure, I was like, that sounds really cool. So I can learn how to take engines apart for six weeks all day long. And then- We'll move on to, um, you know, chassis work or something the next six week module. So by the time you finish the course, which was like just, I don't know, like four months or five months, you've gained a ton of experience in this one very concentrated block of time. And now you're employable. Yeah. Which seems really cool. So we can look into those. Did you find, like, any good online resources for finding these things? For finding things? a trade school? Yeah.
1: Uh, so Mike Rowe, I think, the dude from Dirty Jobs actually has a site called com. Oh, cool. Because he was saying how culturally we've become disconnected from the fact, like, for some reason, that, kind, that level of work, it's not, like, exalted in the same way mm-hmm. that universities are yeah. right now. And that's dumb because those are both difficult jobs, educated jobs. They're they're still educated. It's not lazy, and they pay well half the time. Yeah, like they're good jobs. And I think he was saying there are so many jobs in those fields that simply aren't being filled because people aren't doing it. Mm -hmm. You know, especially because with the internet, we're all like, follow your passion. If your work isn't isn't your passion, then something. Well, I mean, what if uh, your passion doesn't make sense as a viable career option, and you just you're okay with plumbing and you become a plumber and now you're paying for your passion and your life and you've got a decent job and you're doing good work for, you know, society. We need plumbers.
0: And I got to say one thing as a relatively sedentary computer worker who sits here and makes podcasts and and edits videos and stuff, um, it's very hard to sit there and figure out what your passion is. But even if you do figure it out, it's unlikely to be something manual labor related unless you try it out. But I have found that when you go do manual labor that involves some amount of skill like carpentry or um, even plumbing in some cases, even like light electrical work, the feeling of accomplishment and competence you get from doing that kind of work and actually seeing like something real be fixed, not just code. Oh, yeah, on a it's screen, not, it's not abstract. Like that is actually very satisfying. And I think a lot of people discount it because they can't get that feeling just by reading about it in a book. And you can't get that feeling by hearing Thomas Frank tell you about it on the internet. You have to go build a coffee oh, yeah. table or you gotta go like rewire uh, a thermostat or something like to really feel it. But once you do, I think that can actually broaden your horizons and make you realize that being an electrician or a plumber or working on cars could actually be a very fulfilling career. It might not be your passion, Maybe, maybe it would be, it might not be, but I don't think it's going to be like something you hate doing.
1: Yeah. yeah, I don't think it's going to be like the grind for one. You're probably not in a cubicle. You're going and fixing things. Oh yeah. But, but it's just like when you do something like that, you are blatantly useful. There is no question in your head. Is what I'm doing worth it? Am I useful to anyone? You're doing things people need. You see it happen and you say that would not have happened if I didn't do it.
0: Yeah, it's true. If you have an old lady who's like, thank you for making my lights work. I think
1: yeah and and you know it's not yeah. it's not sexy you know mm-hmm. but if the bathroom is not working then somebody needs to fix it and when mm-hmm. they fix it they have profoundly affected that person's life yep it, but you don't think my passion is toilets <laughs> but that doesn't mean that your passion isn't helping people get through their day-to-day life with the general things that they require
0: yeah and maybe your passion is toilets. Like
1: it's blatantly useful. I love moving when we move and move boxes. Like yeah. it's the oh, first physical thing that I do that accomplishes something because web work. I know, right? And I if I get something go chop here, wood. you yeah. know, and feel like,
0: look what I did. It's I great. chopped that wood. It feels good. Well, when we decided to move the entire room around again, like part of me was like, oh my God, I have to move the room again. But the other part of me was like, yes, I get to, you know. To screw holes in the wall yeah. and build this shelf back here. But that you probably fun. wouldn't
1: have said that your passion was building this shelf. That's not like that stuff doesn't sound sexy. So mm-hmm. we discount it. But yeah. when you do it, you might find that it does make you feel like, like you're living a useful life. And that's mm-hmm. something I think most people probably want.
0: And I got to tell you, if somebody said you have two choices, you can either go back to your cubicle IT job at the big financial corporation where you did your internship, or you can go to trade school to become an electrician. I would guaranteed become the electrician. That'd be interesting. Sitting in that cubicle and like, I think the biggest thing I I didn't feel like my work mattered. Yeah, like my work was changing settings in a firewall so people couldn't go on Facebook during work, and I was like, this is this is not doing anything for the world. Whereas
1: if all the lights are off, you're like, look what I did. Their life is better.
0: Exactly right. Or if I help somebody build a house, like someone's gonna go live there. That's gonna be their home. This is not to deride
1: cubicle jobs,
0: you know, I yeah, I'm just saying that that's they're, how they're I fine. felt about it,
1: but it's that de- you shouldn't assume that you're okay with one thing and not with another if you haven't tried them.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, and I got to say that the average electrician probably has more skill in their work than the work I was doing at that job. Not to say everyone in the IT department didn't have skill, but the, the specific job I the was doing, you were doing, it was like, your internship. you got to know how to click a few specific things. I wasn't coding anything. Like it wasn't all that crazy. Oh, and one thing I'll mention is like, I'm kind of building this disparity between like IT work and like physical work, like electrician work and stuff, but there is a middle ground. You can actually go out and get a certification for laying cable. Cause it's not really electrician work, but there is a very vibrant and growing career field where you're just wiring up buildings with networking gear. Every time they build a new building, somebody has got to go lay the cat six cable. Somebody has got to build the networking closets and the person sitting in the cubicle is honestly not qualified to do that job. They don't know how to lay cable correctly. They don't know how to get it through the rafters and ducts of a building. Oh, yeah. There's a whole certification process you can go through, and that actually pays pretty well. And honestly, when I when I got my internship before I started, I thought that's what I would be doing. And then they they showed me my cubicle, and they were like, oh, yeah, no, that's a whole different career field. You would want to go get a certification for that. I was oh. Like, oh no, I thought I was going to be like laying cable and being active oh, and See, nope. That's,
1: that's funny because <laughs> in my internship at my community college, I did run cables through ceilings and do stuff oh, and, really? and wire up and then set up entire, um, computer labs. labs oh, that's cool. Word, like by myself.
0: Huh? That's pretty cool. Okay. So we've talked about the, the uh, trade, trade schools and vocational schools, um, I do want to touch on career, uh, community college one more time. And I think bef- like before you started research for this, I mentioned there was an article on CNN Money about the salaries. Did you happen to see that article? Uh, Nope, don't remember that. Oh, okay. I will have to Google it then. Um, There's your laptop. CNN Money Useful. salaries for community college. Because ugh, I got to find the exact data here. Here it is. Yeah. Community college grads out-earn bachelor's degree holders is a CNN Money article. And let's see here. Is that it's, it's in not general all.
1: or is it like for a certain
0: portion? It's 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 not like in every area. Like if you went to school for computer science or yeah. something, you're probably going to end up making more, but the average uh, I think a lot of times ends up being higher for community colleges because in community college people go to learn a skill that they can often turn into a career very directly. Oh, yeah. Whereas if you go to university for something like even graphic design, doesn't pay that much, but you got to be there for four years, even, you know, and especially like philosophy or English or something that just doesn't translate to a high salary. Well, and you end up going over a lot of abstract stuff, whereas at least Mm -hmm. at least for me in community college,
1: it was incredibly hands on. I learned so much in every one of those classes. Mm -hmm. And there were like a couple electives. Yeah, But most of it was directly hands-on. I could have gotten a Cisco certification afterward if I wanted. Yeah. And just like all sorts of stuff that was blatantly useful on a job. There was no, now you understand the fundamentals of computer science. Mm -hmm. It was now you can build a computer and run a server.
0: Yeah, exactly. So one thing that I did want to talk about is certifications, which I'm I'm assuming you have some familiarity with, even if you don't have have one one at all. So- I know that there are certifications you can get in most IT fields. Usually, I don't know about programming languages. Usually, with coding jobs, they're just like, can you can you fizz buzz? But with any kind of infrastructure, database work, networking, um, general computer support, there's going to be a certification out there that you can get. The base ones for computer stuff is like A plus, Network plus, um, and those are offered by the CompTIA organization. And then there's Vendor-specific certifications like the Microsoft ones, and they're just a bunch of garbled um, three-letter acronyms, usually like MCSE or something. That's four letters actually. Uh, There's the Cisco ones, CCNA. Yeah, that's one. Yeah. So if you hold a Cisco uh, certification, a lot of times the IT department at a company will hire you if you don't, even if you don't have a a degree, because the certification is honestly, very similar to the degree. It communicates that, yes, I know this entire thing of core competencies. I can do the work that you need me to do. And with a cert, like sitting to take the test often costs 200 to $300. And then you buy maybe a book to study. Um, And then maybe like with a Cisco one, you might want to get your hands on like a, a router to actually go in and fiddle around and actually know what you're doing. But Full investment is maybe I don't know, three hundred to four hundred dollars. Well, you're gonna make by far if you pass the test first time. That's all you end up paying. That's uh, quite a bit less than even community college, and it isn't just for IT. Now IT is I think the the main area, at least in my experience, where they offer certifications for a lot of things. But even uh, project management, there's a PMP certification you can take, and you could technically study for that without going to college, pass it, and now you've got that career unlocking certification under your belt yeah so keep those in mind for whatever industry you're looking at you will go see if they have a certification available um and this is another thing came to my mind I didn't even think about talking about this you can test out of college classes which you did yeah right I don't know if yeah I did. did you take um, a specific test like a clep or anything or was it just like Offered by the university individually.
1: Um the professor prepared something for me and then okay. I tested
0: out of the networking class right. because I had a networking degree from yeah. community college. Yeah, that seems to make a little bit of sense. Um I think it's episode forty nine of the podcast, I want to say. I interviewed a guy named Jay Cross who tested out of a lot of college by doing clep tests, by doing the university specific tests. You okay there? I'm dead. you <laughs> dying from I'm spicy to death. cinnamon tea. Uh, yeah. So if you look into it, if you did some independent study or you have a certification or you're like Martin and have a degree already, you can often test out of a lot of stuff in college and then shorten the amount of time that you need to be there. Like, honestly, I could have done my four year degree in two and a half years if I wanted to. Yeah. Um, I had a scholarship that I used as the justification for staying the whole four years so I can also do extracurriculars. But if I was paying that tuition myself, like, I would have doubled up on classes and graduated quick. And you did that your last semester, didn't you? Um, Like you were planning on staying all four years. Yes. And then I think you just, you compressed your last year into one semester.
1: Part of the reason I was there so long was because I just wanted to take language classes and wasn't in a hurry. And yeah, like I came to college on purpose for the experience, Mm -hmm. knowing that I already had the skills to get a job.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. But it is something you can do if money's an issue. And, that, and that's the real message here. Like with college, money is usually an issue unless you have like a ton of scholarships. So that's why we want to present these other options. So the last one that I remember writing down in my, my preliminary thoughts, aside from the vocational schools, aside from the community colleges and certifications, was coding boot camps because I see these popping up a lot in like my Instagram ads and stuff. So what did you learn about those? I learned that they are coding boot camps. <laughs> now, some of them insightful. One of the problems here, in
1: order to say anything general about them, is that there is no regulation here. Right. Universities okay. get accredited. Community colleges, yes. like they, these things, all have oversight. Even just certifications. If Cisco trusts this guy to know how to run a server, we trust them because we trust Cisco. Okay. But in the coding boot camps, there isn't any regulation. Okay. But I have at least seen that. They can be a good idea if you are the kind of person that wants to take them. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them are much more intense. I saw at least one of them. It's like 72-hour weeks. Holy crap. It's These are shortened into an amount of time, but you do a lot. Yeah. It's not like – don't ever view this as the easy way out to make money. It's not like, ooh, I'm going to do this and, th- and in three months I'm magically going to be rich. Yeah. It, if you have any sort of desire to have an aptitude for programming – this can be cool if you're willing to completely, intensely dedicate
0: yourself to mm-hmm. it. Well, I wanted to mention it because we had a listener um, on Listen Money Matters who emailed us and he said, before I found you guys, I was working a menial job. I can't remember what it was, but it, it was like like $10 an hour or something, um, supporting a family on that. And he was in debt and he started listening to the podcast. He started paying off his debt. Um, and then he saved a bunch of money up and he took a, he took a coding bootcamp and then he used that to get a programming job that paid way, way more. Yeah. So I thought that was a really cool story. And like you said, these are not regulated. There's no accreditation process. They're just run by companies. Um, that being said, a lot of them out there have a track record. There are people you can go talk to, to see what the experience was like. And the one that I was really interested in, which I haven't gone through or anything, I haven't even talked to them, but. I thought their their uh unique selling proposition, if you will, was interesting, was uh, thinkful. I think it was is that the right one? Thinkful? Let me make sure real quick. Thinkful. Yes. So theirs is an online coding boot camp. I don't believe you actually go anywhere and like do it in person. But what I love is they have a job guarantee. A guarantee. So, Yeah. Now there are some criteria for it. You basically have to demonstrate that you are working hard. Like you're not just slacking off doing nothing. And there's some other things like you need to demonstrate that you make a resume and um, do like mock interviews or something, but they have a job guarantee where it's like, we guarantee we'll get you a job as long as you are putting in the effort and showing that you really want it. And I thought that was really cool because obviously this is a skill that's in demand. So if you apply yourself like it's pretty sweet that there's an organization out there that's not only dedicated to helping you develop those skills quickly, but also helping you to find a place where you can apply them and get paid.
1: Yeah. And some of them have little setups where it's like you deposit this much, you'll get it refunded later. So technically it's kind of free for that. And then they'll take Mm -hmm. a chunk of your salary when you get a job.
0: Oh, so that's like kind of mission you. Yeah. It's
1: kind of like that. Although it's very important to look into these. I think it's, um, course report.com mm-hmm. you can you can see people's reviews of these because while I found some that looked good, I would then find one person who had said, I think it was maybe App Academy. And I don't know if this is still the case because it was from a, uh, maybe a year or two ago. Yeah. But they were like, so all this stuff was good and, good and fine. But at the end of the application process, after I worked through all this, I had read all their documentation. Then they were like, actually you fit in with this specific subset of people. Who just have to pay anyway regardless of whether they get a job. Really? Because they're – and it like isn't – it wasn't anywhere on the website. And then there was another person saying they had the same experience. And the problem is these are not regulated. So you need to make sure that you trust them and you need to know that they are going to be a little more picky about who they admit because they Mm -hmm. need low-risk students. Yeah, that's true. Like they can't just accept everyone because then they don't make money if none of their students ever get a good job that pays above 50000 or whatever their I'm yeah. going to get a chunk
0: is. And that does remind me of the model that a lot of private universities will use where the star students or the students who have some quality about them that's going to help the school, whether it be like prestige because they're going to bring... Um, like, you know, do research that brings grants to the university or something, or whether it be they're like going to become famous someday or something like that. Um, a lot of times those students are given like four rides, but they're subsidized by other students who maybe don't have those qualities and still want to go to that university badly enough that they're willing to pay or take out loans for it. Yeah. So maybe like if you're looking at a coding bootcamp like this, um, do your research, obviously, but also maybe consider, like, maybe I just am going to have to pay this. Yeah, but I you just got
1: to consider that they do need to pay the bills somehow. They do, yeah. And that since they're not regulated, there may be a catch. I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know any... I'm not going to research every specific coding boot camp yeah. because the information will change by the time the new ones are coming out. There's actually... I think there was, like, two, 200 or something, like, more and more are happening. Yeah. And you're going to need to research very specifically... What What other students have had? What have past students experienced with mm-hmm. this kind of boot camp? Does it work? Do they get jobs? I saw on indeed, they had a an article where they had interviewed like a thousand HR people, mm-hmm. hiring people. And something like 70, 72 percent, I think, were would believe that if you had gone through a coding boot camp, you were probably just as capable as somebody with a four- year degree. Okay But at that same time, 41 or 42% would still, all things being equal, prefer the four-year degree because there's no regulation and they can't guarantee yeah. that you will know it.
0: Okay. So I, I feel like we're seeing a shift in the attitudes of hiring managers towards less of that institutional education. At least in certain fields. In certain It would fields. be
1: a, a lot harder to expect this in a, in like nursing or something. Yeah, that's you know, true. I'm Listen, not going through I read on some articles about how to camp. administer vaccines. <laughs> do I know how to do it now? Like you need yeah. regulation for some of those really important things to say this is the standard they met. That's true. But at least in coding, it's very much been, are you a good coder? I had a coworker who didn't have a degree. Mm-hmm. They, they went to a semester and then I think didn't, they just like stopped and then got a job because they could code.
0: Mm-hmm. And I do want to bring up a point the coding boot camps aren't the only way to learn how to code. They're just an oh, accelerated, thing
1: for free, if you
0: wanted, and guided thing. I mean, you got a full time job in web development, and yes, you had a four year degree, but it wasn't in web dev. I don't think they actually cared. Now, it
1: was. You can learn all this stuff by yourself. You can go to Codecademy. You can go to uh, Skillshare, Udemy, Coursera. Any mm-hmm. amount of things. There's tons of stuff to help you learn many of these skills. At yeah. least, and at least for code, the credentials aren't as important.
0: Yeah. Yeah. With code, it's, it's very easy to demonstrate that you can do what they need to do Yeah, because they'll have a, they'll have a coding interview where you go in, you have to literally program some stuff for them on the spot. I've gone through one of those before. I don't know if you have, um, with the web development job at Iowa state, part of the application process was a website that contained five difficult PHP problems. And actually that, that was a cool application because that application taught me PHP. Hmm. I had never touched it before that. And basically their attitude was like, if you have the tenacity to, even if you don't know PHP, if you have the tenacity to do this correctly, then we know you're probably the kind of person who can Did you have to do that learn. right
1: there? Or was it like you did no, this no, no, it was like, before applying?
0: So the, the application process was, there was a normal application where you put in your name and your date of birth and your blood type or whatever. And then there was also that page. So I basically had like, as long as I wanted to apply, you know, assuming that People didn't get in and get the job before I finished. So there was some time pressure. And uh, once I had gotten them all right, it was like, okay, now you can have an interview. And then the interview had some additional coding problems where he wanted to see like, can you code quickly on the spot? Do you know enough to do this right now? So really it's like a, a combination of do you have the ability to learn and like enough of a base to be able to amp your skills if needed? And also, do you have the ability to hit the ground running at least in maybe one or two specific areas where we have projects for you? Yeah. Yeah. But again, you can learn that stuff on your own. So was there anything else that you wanted to mention that you researched that I I guess? see?
1: Definitely give community college a second thought because if you know, I don't want a career in it that involves a trade school Mm -hmm. and you know, I don't trust or want to do coding. I don't want to do a boot camp. I don't want to program or something. And you know that you want to go to a university eventually, but it still seems weird and expensive. Like I saved a lot of money going to community college. And if I had gone there with the intent of going to a university afterward, which wasn't my original intent, I could have specifically gotten classes that covered the later university needs and saved even more money and even more time.
0: You probably could have done the whole thing in
1: just four years. I could have maximized the efficiency there. Mm Mm-hmm. And I came out of community college with an associate's degree and something that could have gotten me a decent job somewhere in the 30,000s range with no debt. Yeah. And also I coincidentally got a certification because it happened to overlap with the credits I already took. That was nice. But it was perfectly reasonable. And a lot of people there were just well off and especially in areas like tech, nursing, automotive stuff, like it's a perfectly reasonable choice. And even if you're just covering your gen eds and you want to later go to a university... You save a lot of money, mm-hmm. so it's definitely an option that shouldn't be discounted.
0: Yeah, if you can hit the ground running at a four year with two years of gen eds under your belt, like yeah, you're jumping straight into the classes you actually want to be a part of.
1: Well, and I by the time I got to university, I was a little bit older, I felt a little bit more like an adult. Yeah, and I was very fully aware of what it meant to be signing that master promissory note to take out yep. student loans. I was very aware of what I was investing in, what I wanted. And I was a little more confident as a person being Mm -hmm. older. So I benefited. I didn't have to come in undecided and and be confused. I came in saying, this is expensive, but I've chosen it very on purpose now.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, The one thing that I want to wrap up with, with regards to community college is make sure that the one you're going to actually does transfer credits over to your intended four-year if you, you are going to transfer. definitely check that. So in Iowa, I don't, which one did you go to? Iowa Western? I went to Iowa Western. That's right. You went to Iowa Western. Um, I went to Des Moines Area Community College in high school as part of their dual credit program. And they very specifically transferred almost everything to Iowa State. And yeah, there was like, like a, deals. Yeah, there was like, okay, calculus over here matches calculus here at Iowa State. You're good to go. But if I went to DMAC and you went to Iowa Western and we tried to go to Stanford or something, then it's no guarantee that the same calculus course is going to, you know, fit the requirements for their calculus course. Yeah. So you just got to make sure. And you can do that by just going or calling the university or even looking on the website and seeing like what are the transfer requirements and which schools do they partner with and if you don't see the school that you're going to go to, call them up and make sure. Yeah. Because well, it would suck to get there and then be like, yeah, all those two years are basically nothing. You're going to start from scratch. Yeah. And, and seriously,
1: with scholarships and grants and stuff, community college was free.
0: And yeah. Community like, college has costs, scholarships.
1: Even even if I ignored that stuff, in total, getting that associate's degree that could have gotten me a job was just like, I don't know, a year and a half at the university. Yeah. Like, it is much more effective
0: and the funny thing is that what you started at at the web development job after college is like the same as what you would have gotten paid out of community college yeah because wasn't it like mid thirties or something it was somewhere in there because Iowa jobs don't pay as high as if you leave Iowa
1: yeah at least not in that situation but I could yeah. have done that without Most of the experience I had, servers, web dev, all that stuff is either on my own or from community college. Mm -hmm. The university I went to on purpose for the university experience and for other more well rounded and social reasons. Right. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Community college is a great option if you want it.
0: Cool. So quick recap. We talked about community colleges, talked about trade schools, vocational schools, coding boot camps. Um, We talked about certifications which you can look, I mean, we, I think we focused mainly on it cause that's where we have expertise in that area, but there are many certifications in other areas you can look into. And then uh, also just self learning and in certain areas that can be, yeah, that can be more than enough. Yep. Yeah. Another option. You could be an entrepreneur, be an entrepreneur. There you go. Plenty of f-
1: fancy dropouts in Silicon Valley. This is true.
0: Yeah. So obviously this is not going to be a comprehensive episode. There's going to be stuff that we didn't even know existed. Um, we did our research well, and did the best see, we could, but
1: researching without a very one person in mind means that true. there are going to be options that we can't see. I don't know uh, any particular listener's financial situation, passions, desires, skills, family life, geographical location, yeah, uh, health. I don't nothing. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is a very big life decision, and we can only give here are a bunch of options, I guess. But you have to do the research.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, this is like an introductory, uh, is it the word introductory? Yeah. Introductory episode to thinking about these things if you're at the stage of life. And I do have a couple of past episodes on the podcast that you might want to look into as follow-ups. I did mention the episode with Jay Cross. I think that's 49. That one's about how to test out of college classes, which can shorten the amount of time you need to go to school and save you money. And then there's also an episode I did with Issa Adney who uh, went to community college and that is all about the community college experience and what you can do with that. So we'll have those linked up in the show notes along with the episode I did on Listen Money Matters about Mission U with Adam Braun. Uh, Check those out. And this is what, 180? I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so slash 180 is where you can go if you're listening to this on the audio feed or if you're on YouTube. That description link down below will get you over to those show notes. And one additional thing you'll find on the show notes is a way to rate and review this podcast on iTunes. Um, and for the YouTube people that are watching this on YouTube, I know you guys probably like watching the podcast, but if you didn't know, It's really easy to subscribe to the podcast in Apple Podcasts or uh, Google Play on your phone or any other podcast app you want, and then you can take it on the run or while you're cooking food in the kitchen or while you're commuting to school. So check that out if that's something you haven't tried out yet, and uh, leaving a review on iTunes definitely helps to boost the show up the rankings and gets us out to more people as well. So thank you if you do that, and thank you guys, as always, for listening to the show. We will see you next week. Stay cute.